You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who still have just three wins against Celtic since April 2012. What has there been more of since 2012 than Hearts wins against Celtic? Well, Ed Sheeran's had more number one hit singles in the charts. Real Madrid have won more Champions League trophies. Calvin Harris has had more one, number one hit singles in the charts. Christopher Nolan has released more blockbuster movies. Justin Bieber's had more number one hit singles in the charts. There have been more British Prime Ministers than Hearts wins against Celtic since April 2012. And Rangers have played in more divisions than Hearts have had wins against Celtic since 2012. I am Laurie Dunsayer, joined by a man who... I don't know if he's done anything more than three times since 2012. Mark Donaldson. Certainly not exercise. I thought you were <laughs> going to start with, hi, I'm Laurie Dunsire, and I predicted that Celtic would beat Hearts, and they did. I take no pride in that. That's why I didn't start with that. Mm. Didn't well, get score right either, so. No, you didn't. You know what I spent this morning doing? <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't want to know after... No, no. I'm look. I'm on a. I'm on a day off, right? I'm, I'm working tomorrow, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to see what managers are out there. Who's available and who's free? <laughs> Seriously, for for Hearts, and I, 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 I did, I did because I don't know if the club's doing it. So if they're not, then I'll do it. So Your we'll get job's kushti. Yeah, what did I do today? I just decided to see if there's any managers available for Hearts. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, fair I, enough. Come up. There's been so much spoken. So much written about hearts. I listened to a very good podcast, Graham Spears, with Barry Anderson and, and Ewan Murray yesterday. I've been reading the opinion pieces in the Hearts Standard with Joel and James. I've been reading Barry's stuff in the evening news. It's weird because sometimes you think, no, I don't want to, don't want to know anything about it. We lost. I just, I want to switch off from the football club. I, I don't know if it's just me. I, I want to, I want to know more. I want to know why. I want to know the reaction from the supporters because I'm over here in, in the States. This is the way I get my fix. I get my fix of, of Hearts from Hearts TV at weekends. Um, this, to me, this podcast to me is, a, is an important part of my week because for me, it keeps me in touch with the football club, with you, with Scott, with Ryan and, and the rest of the supporters as well. So I, I've read so much and, and heard so much, but what I haven't really read or haven't really heard 
is solutions and, and what next. It's all do this, do that, this should happen. And, and I agree with most of it. But there's been very little what now, what next. So that's why I've spent this morning looking at various things about potential players that maybe Hearts could sign from over here in the United States. Because I commentate on Hartford Athletic, some really good players that are playing in, in the league that I commentate on at the top end of that league. So, yeah, I've done a little bit of digging. I've put a couple of names forward to a couple of people to see if that might happen. But I've also looked at potential managers for Hearts to see. And we can have that discussion later. So I have done my homework for this because this is one of the highlights of my week. Regardless if it's a defeat against Celtic or or whatever, this this podcast kind of... It's something to look forward to, and I'm 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 actually really looking forward to this one today. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Laurie, as someone that commentates for the football club. Been really impressed, Scott, with um, and I know we haven't introduced you yet, so welcome with your threads <laughs> today, um, with your comments as well and your your input into the the podcast. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, a good discussion over the the next hour or so um, on this week's around the farm. Yes, sadly, we couldn't be joined by Ryan McGowan. We understand he's on a stag do in Amsterdam, I think he said. Um, but we, we are pleased to be joined once again by Scott McIntosh. And I'm not going to put him on the spot because I know he doesn't like it. Oh, so. I was going to have something. This oh. week. Well, how do you want us to intro you? Well, I was just going to say something that's happened more than three times since 2012 is that... Oh, I was going to say, yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Pereira's agent has worked wonders and managed to get him to about five or six different that's clubs. That's so, good, yeah. That is impressive. That's... So the one the one week you've got something in response is the week that we don't set you up. Apologies. I know. No, no, you're you're right to not set me up because most weeks I'm, I'm absolutely useless. I'm just waiting to see if anyone knows my reference to the Amsterdam stag when they're listening. Some people won't have a clue, and if they don't, don't go digging. It's not worth it. Um, so yeah, this week on Scarves Around the Funnel, we will talk about Hart and Midlothian against Celtic. That's a, a disgusting story that was. <laughs> it was. Honestly. And I'm only dropping it on, on Ryan's plate received, because he's yeah. not here to defend himself. Everybody's received that on WhatsApp, and some people are like, your other half's like, what are you listening to? <laughs> you haven't heard it. Never mind Laurie doing that pub chat and kind of the end jokes. Find it. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. Yeah, but, probably um, probably never happened, but yeah, yeah, what does it matter on Twitter? Um, so yeah, we'll talk about Hearts against Celtic and guess the current feeling. Again, it's one of those weeks where we'll, we'll go to Twitter. We've got a couple of emails we'll get to. So we'll try and, um, try and relate to how everyone's feeling, how we're all feeling. But yeah, three wins in 44 meetings now against Celtic and it's it's one of these where yeah, Hearts managers won't be or Hearts generally won't be judged solely on results against Celtic and Rangers but uh, there is a manner of how these kind of results pan out as well so I think it's important to to discuss that um, anything else been happening before we crack on anything to distract us from B team is doing well isn't it what's that the B team is doing well yeah, they, they seem to have had a real upturn since they changed their manager. So, um, <laughs> is Liam Fox one of the managers you, you highlighted? Is... Nope, but he could nope. be if you want him to be. Um, well, women's team could come back. Yeah, it's good. everything's positive except the first team. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we do have to crack on. But this isn't the... Maybe we have to have scarves around the funnel B team chat. Get Charlotte on again. Get 
Ava yeah, women's team women's team had a good win at the yeah. weekend. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, we will we will crack on. I'm trying to find something to avoid getting we'll started. Just play this thing. Just goes. We'll have to. Yeah. That's that's that the the sting will be the sound of us ripping off the sticking plaster and just yes. getting on with it. You're listening to Scarves Are Under Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Heart of Midlothian against Celtic on Sunday. Hearts going into the game. Only one defeat in the last five, despite that collapse against Hibs that left them with just a draw in the derby. But Celtic, of course, very formidable. Seven wins, one draw, and zero defeats in the league so far this season. The top scorers in the league, but against the Hearts side, who had the joint best defence in the league. Although, maybe we'd be scratching our heads as to how that would happen by full time head to head not a good look of course for hearts as i mentioned and they lost nine in a row against celtic since that 2-1 win in july 2021 no way of really framing recent head to head or overall head to head in a positive way for hearts but hey you've got to end those runs at some point just the one change for the hearts team from the side that drew 2-2 hebs Stephen Kingsley out injured, in came Alex Cochran, like for like, so the 4-2-3-1, Civic stays at right back, Cochran left, Kenton rolls in the middle, Devlin Newenhoff, the sitters, Forrest Lowry, Fargas in, and Shankland up front. Mark, no real surprise, you would say, about the starting eleven, given that we were largely pretty positive against Hibs. Now, I looked at my notes from the last podcast, it is the starting eleven that I predicted, don't know how you felt about it. We spoke about this last week. This isn't a Monday morning quarterback. This isn't a, they should have done that when they did that instead. We identified that they have three really good midfielders. And we spoke last week about potentially Hearts matching up in midfield against O'Reilly, against McGregor, against Hatati, or whichever three that they play. Because that's their strong point. That's where everything kind of starts from in earnest for Celtic. That's their engine room. And it's the best in the country by, by a mile. So what did we do? We, we played Newenhoff and Devlin um, as a two, and it's just like, well, let them worry about us. When you've got a team that you know is going to have more of the ball, it's probably going to dictate things. That's the kind of team that you look at, and that's the kind of thing. When you're a team of heart's ability that you don't say, well, we'll just do what we normally do because it'll be fine. You have to have the opposition in mind. And the grating thing for me was they had two weeks to come up with a plan to try and stop Celtic. And just like in the Scottish Cup tie, when Aaron Moy scored early inside three minutes, Hearts are behind after three minutes. So the team, Cochranov obviously automatically comes back. I said last week, Lowry for me, I know he's been playing well and I know he's been influential. He's better off the bench in a game like Celtic because he doesn't defend from the front. And then to put him in front of someone who clearly wasn't 100%, but was pretty much all we had available in, in Alex Cochran, that was just a that just did not work. And from then, the minute that team sheet came out, you kind of thought, "Yeah, this this could be a long day," and it was. What to get Scott's thoughts on the just the feeling at the game generally? Um, Joel Sked's excellent uh, heart standard had, um, I think, posted. I think it came from them. They posted that the crowd was the lowest we'd had at Tyne Castle for a while. Or was that yourself directly, Scott? I don't have it in front of me. No, I think that would be fair. 
it yeah, was heart standard, it wasn't it? Posted, yeah. That um, lowest attendance at Tynecastle in twenty four league games. Um, and the I, comments I, from Brendan Rodgers, by the way. Did you hear I, his I, comments afterwards? Uh, no, I didn't. He, he, he basically said this is normally one of the loudest grounds we came to. He said he was very surprised at the lack of atmosphere yeah. and the lack of noise. Well, that's what I was going to ask Scott about, because even, obviously, we went 1-0 down early on, which which of course put us on the back foot, but even before then, it felt weird, didn't it? I, for me, it felt very subdued, the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, I always speak for myself. I was subdued because I saw the team line up. And uh, I'm going to go a bit beyond what Mark said. That was that was wild playing Alex Lowry in front of Alex Cochran. That was like I don't even think naive covers it. You know, to have someone who has already shown in a Hearts jersey that he's very much positionally undisciplined on the left to to offer cover for a player who's not played in the last few weeks against Maeda was a shocking decision. There's just no way of sort of sugarcoating that. And, you know, to think that it would have been easy just to take Lowry out of the equation, especially when you consider that he's not even available two out of the next three games, and maybe put Beningame or Harren even sitting in front of that back four. I'm not saying it fixes all our ills, because there was a lot of individual errors, that which we'll touch upon for the weekend, but it certainly would have helped. And, you know... It, for me personally, I saw that team line up and I just thought he's not he's not picked a team for this fixture. He's just went with who's played well in the previous game. And and for me, I I don't subscribe to that. You know, you've got to pick a team, you've got to be flexible with each coming fixture. You can't just say, Well, he had a good 50 minutes in the last game, so I've got to pick him. No, you just you know, you have the conversation and you're honest with the player about why he's benched this week. I don't see you fitting in because we're only gonna have 35% possession at best, and you offer us nothing off the ball. And it's and it's as simple as that. So I'd imagine there might be some other fans that were maybe feeling subdued because of that, or it's maybe just you know it's it's the the apathy that's now starting to set in because of what we've been fed this season so far. You know, it's been very ponderous. It's there's been a lot of slow build up and play, and I just think that the fans are now being quite conditioned to that, and it's. It's reflective in not only the crowd, but but also the atmosphere. Yeah, as Mark mentioned, it was just over three minutes in when uh, Palma plays a nice clip ball over the Hearts defence from the left. O'Reilly makes a run in behind. It's a really good finish, to be fair, from Matt O'Reilly on his left foot, taking it first time on the volley. But Callum Newenhoff just not tracking the run at all. So a nice goal from a Celtic point of view, but from a Hearts point of view, Really poor, and unfortunately, I I thought Callum Newenhoff recently started to see flashes that he could be a decent player for Hearts. But I mean, I thought this set the tone mark for him, and there's plenty of players that weren't at it. But I thought Callum Newenhoff looked a million miles away from things on Sunday. Yeah, and and look, I I don't want this to be an an hour of of just hammering whether it's Stephen Naismith or whoever. I would have started Newenhoff. I thought he was exceptional against Hibbs. But I would have started him alongside two others and not just Cammy Devlin. And you're right. I, Stephen Naismith spoke afterwards about the, the, the goals that were conceded were all soft. Again, it's this, oh, what are you going to do after? Well, we're going to need to make sure we stop conceding. So it's the same old broken record that, that we, we continually get. 
after every game. There's there's very little kind of um, I got it wrong. It seems to be the players that got it wrong. And Newenhoff should attract the runner. It was a really good goal. It was a it was a super ball in from Palma, but it was in the air for a long time. Um, and and Newenhoff doesn't take the run. Look, O'Reilly's a super player, and when they signed him, not many people had heard of him. Um, if you weren't watching lower league uh, football in, in England. But he's he's become a really, really good player. And it was a brilliant finish, don't get me wrong. But would he have been able to make that finish if there had been pressure on him? We'll never know, because Neuenhoff didn't track his man. Yeah, he is the top scorer in the Premiership. Um, very good player, but I think there's also a case of Hearts making it a bit too easy for them. A couple of... Moments maybe after that, Alex Cochran flashed a ball across the box. Uh, Cochran, Scott, I don't know if it, it, it maybe necessity that we we started him obviously with Kingsley out as well. He had those moments where he got forward, and I think that is a strength of his, isn't it? But defensively, I think there's more and more question marks around Alex Cochran, isn't there? Yeah, I, I felt sorry for him. Uh, I think you know, again, going back to the the decision-making in terms of the starting eleven, it didn't help. Yet, he was very rusty, and you could see that in some of his decision-making, and the fact that he was, you know, just a, a yard off the pace, which, again, given the opposition and his, his direct opposition, I think you, you're just not going to get away with that. You know, if you bring somebody back, you're maybe playing, I don't know, let's say at home to St. Johnston, home to Kilmarnock, you might be able to sort of get away jail one or two times, but, you know, Celtic were on top of him, and, and once Celtic sniffed that there was a, a weakness there, you know, they kept on hitting that that side, particularly in the first sort of 50 to 60 minutes, uh, and it was just relentless, and yeah, he had some individual errors, but he's probably one of the players that I, I felt sorry for, because there was, yeah. you know, there was a necessity to play him. I'm not saying now in hindsight that we should have switched Rolls over to left back because I think we all agreed that it was vital we got Rose and Kent back together given what happened yeah. in the second half of the derby. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bemoan that decision because I think we all agree that was made out of necessity more than anything else. But I, I thought Swig as well was pretty poor. Yeah, he was. was, It just looked nervy. It it was horrible to begin with. And and I think it's good that we're all highlighting individual players because if there's one thing I'll say in Stephen Naismith's defence, I think that when a manager is under pressure, these types of performances tend to shine a spotlight on the manager only. And what I mean by that is, I was speaking to quite a few Hibs mates after the, the Rangers game at the weekend, and they were all talking about the individual errors. And the point that I tried to make to them was, if this happened six weeks ago under Lee Johnson, would it have been the players getting thrown under the bus or would you have been just highlighting how poor Lee Johnson is? And I think there's an element of that that's now creeping into the analysis of the Hearts games. Everything's being placed on Stephen Naismith. He certainly has a, a responsibility and has to take ownership for some of what's going on. But I think a lot of what happened at the weekend was individual errors as well, which he undoubtedly doesn't have any any sort of control over once the players sort of enter the park. So I think it's good that, you know, we are highlighting that the likes of Cochrane, Neuenhoff, Sibic had an off day. It's not to say that they, you know, they can't come back from that. I think Neuenhoff in particular has shown in the last sort of month or so that he certainly can bring value to the team. I still think Alex Cochran is one of the few players in the squad that could potentially, you know, make the club money further down the line. But 
it's only right that we we point out that you know it it doesn't just stop and start with with the manager. There were certainly a lot of individuals who let themselves down as well. Yeah, the second goal, twenty third minute, came from that side out in the wide right area. Satati got the cut back and Dyson Maida bundling in over the line. Um, when you see the the replay for the VAR check, he is behind. Um, behind Hatate when the ball gets played. I thought when it first happened, I thought it looked like he'd gone ahead of the play, but no, certainly onside. Confirmed by VAR, and Mark, I think one of my frustrations here at this point and when it got to half-time, you know, I've seen Hart, and I said this on Twitter afterwards, I've seen Hearts get comfortably dispatched by Celtic and Rangers many, many times. Um, What frustrated me most about this game was I didn't really feel like Celtic were having to do particularly much no. second yeah, right. third gear you know mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't batting down the goal but they didn't have to it was a couple of moves towards goal it, it, it felt like it was walking pace the game it, it was the ease in which we were 2-0 down and I suppose they just never felt like there was any any energy any aggression any belief at all from Hearts. it's exactly how I felt when I was composing the a tweet at half time. The only proper tackle from a Hearts player in that first half was made by Kenneth Vargas. It was over on the main stand side, about 20 yards from the corner flag. And I said, so soft, lacking ideas, lacking physicality, lacking leadership. Going back to Scott's point about individual errors, certainly not helping the cause, but the, the general blame Naismith anyway. Um, the there's a softness about this this squad that I think Pep Guardiola would 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 struggle with to try and get a decent tune out of an old fiddle, and it's a it's a squad right now that that's soft throughout, doesn't have a spine to the team, and they're easily bullied. And when things go wrong, I'm not saying they give up because that's one of the worst things you can label a professional footballer, um, and and you, you can't just say that that applies to every single player. We've we've we can have individual discussions about who stands up and and who goes hiding. But a couple of things I want to talk about in that first half especially. Because I thought the second half was slightly better. But the first half, and you and Murray pointed it out in that podcast with, with Graham Spears, the just the one just when they went in at half time and even when they came out in the second half, they kind of sauntered in and they sauntered back out. And it was just that kind of languid nature of that. And I wanted to point out that a lot of the time when Frankie Kent had it or Kai Rolls had it, it had to go to the other one because no one was showing for it. There was very little movement upfield. And that goes back to the two weeks that they, they've been working on. It's easy to say, oh, not even Pep Guardiola can get a tune out of this. I don't know if Stephen Naismith, I don't think he has from what I've seen. I don't think he's made the players better from either taking over or, or since he was involved at the football club. There's very little evidence that, that that's happened. I don't think he's got a great squad to work with, but I think that comes down to recruitment. I think individual ability is there, but it's not just about ability. It's about when the going gets tough, what happens? Do you hide or do you want to get involved? Do you say, give me the ball? Or you're like, nah, this this isn't for me. I don't want to get the abuse from the crowd. So I don't want to get involved in this. Recruitment's an issue. January recruitment was dreadful. The summer recruitment as well, apart from Frankie Kent, who else has had an impact? No one. The players we signed, 
Which players are going to really stiffen up this? Which players are going to pick others up? Go, come on, for fuck's sake, this is a disgrace. Let's get better than that. No one. That's not what we've signed. It's not what we've added. So, yes, Stephen Naismith deserves a hell of a lot of, of criticism for what we've seen and the coaching staff as a whole because this messy setup that the board decided would, would they would put in place with Frankie McAvoy, with Stephen Naismith, with Gordon Forrest. It's not worked. It's not worked. And there's a lot of places you can go, and I'm sure we will in this podcast. But that first half was unacceptable because there are players who you saw in that first half who performed way below what they're capable of. Why is that? Yeah. Well, when the going gets tough, um, the match gets rougher for Hearts, it seems, because second half, I mean, wait, I was waiting to see if there'd be any changes. You know, you're 2 0 down at, at, oh. at half time. You're waiting to see if there be any changes. There's no personnel changes. So, what you're looking for, I suppose, as a minimum, is some kind of reaction, aren't you? That yeah. second half, you expect the managers, given the, the players, the the rocket that we always talk about, um, and they're going to come out and they're, they're at least going to show some fight, and maybe we'll get we'll get a little reaction. And if they get the next goal, you know, who knows? Things can turn around. Celtic kick off, fire the ball down the right channel. Cochrane misjudges it, allows Maida in. Ball drops to Furuhashi. Cochrane goes in, and there's a penalty given. Now, I don't think it's a penalty. No, um, I was outraged at the time. When I've seen another replay since, I'm. Don't I, go there. It's not. It's not a penalty. Don't, it's not a penalty. If, if I, but, the Celtic fans that say that that was a penalty, if that's given against them for Rangers at Ibrox in an old firm game, they'll burn the place down. Come on, now. It's, it's never it's, a penalty. It's not a penalty, but I can't even bother getting into that because that's on a different game. I'd focus on that a bit more if this was a tight game and it was a deciding it moment. Played a role in the outcome. It didn't because the penalty but was. Missed. It didn't, and also. But Scott, you know, from your point of view, even looking at the game, what way is that to start the second half? Take, take away the fact that, you know, Furuhashi goes down, he's looking for it. I don't think it's a penalty. He's like falling into Cochrane. But we still put ourselves in that position, didn't we? In less than 10 seconds of the second half starting. It's it's so difficult to try and try and figure out what they were what they were trying to achieve on on Sunday, both in possession and out of possession. You know, they were so timid with the ball at their feet. There was no cohesion in the press. So there was huge gaps between, you know, the forward line to the midfield and then midfield to the, the sort of back four. So it was so easy. I mean, Celtic can can pick you off anyway because they're, they're a good enough team to do that, even if you're on your best day. But I think any team would have been able to have played through those lines because there was just... There was no urgency from the whole squad. You know, you would maybe see Vargas maybe press from the, the top end, but the the whole thing about pressing in general is that it needs to be a team effort. Otherwise, there's no point doing it. There's no point having that that sort of rogue figure that's just going to run about like a headless chicken for 90 minutes because if the rest of the team aren't following suit and supporting them, it's just too easy for, for any sort of team to play around that. Uh, I think in terms of the, the second half start, Again, who knows what was said at halftime. To be fair, it, it, all it takes is one sort of lofted ball in behind Cochrane and, he, and he's struggling with it. So I suppose I'm not going to be too critical on you know how we started the game because, again, I think it falls down to an individual error rather than 
a result of us not, you know, starting the second half correctly. Uh, so I'll try and give I'll try and give the, the team or Stephen Naismith a bit of leeway with that. But but again, you know, we had 25 minutes to react to the second goal in the first half and you didn't really see any any sign of that. If anything, you started to see players, you know, lose their composure. You know, Alex Lowry got stuck into this sort of vicious cycle of trying a harder and harder pass each time he was in possession and he just didn't break out of that cycle. I mean, for me, watching him through the stands, I saw nothing in that sort of second quarter to suggest that he was going to just come on to a game in the second half. So for me, he should have been off at halftime. Uh, I think there's a case to say that Neuenhoff was having such a poor game that he would have been someone. I would have been looking at making that change as well at halftime. Uh, why that wasn't done, again, only Stephen Naismith knows, but I think some tough decisions have to be made at the, at the club just now. And I don't know, I'd imagine because he scored, he's someone that we might touch upon later on in the in the show tonight. But the the conversation I was having with a few people during the game and after is that I think a decision now has to be made around Shanklin because, again, his body language was that of someone who was quite, you know, despondent with what was going on around them. And again, I don't know how much of that is attributed to the, the summer upheaval. I know that, you know, his partners, you know, they've just had a, a, a kid not that long ago. So I don't know if there's external things factoring or if he's just not buying into, you know, what's happening just now on and off the field. But they have to make a decision because his body language is potentially going to start rubbing off on other individuals. And we do have other people on the bench who could come on and, and make a contribution. Yeah, I mean, we, we can get to, to Shanklin as well, but before then it was 3-0 Celtic, despite uh, the penalty being missed after Rayo Hatate hit the very same post that Liam Boyce struck with the penalty in this fixture in January 2022. Uh, but it only took a few more minutes for 3-0 to be the scoreline anyway, and it was Kyogo Furahashi who buried the ball from seven or eight yards, stroking home after the ball across the box wasn't particularly well defended by Hearts. But 13 minutes later, a goal from from very little, almost nothing really. Shanklin, a great spin at the edge of the box. It does end an eight-game run without a goal for him. Mark, is that, we're going to try and grasp on some positives. Is that going to be some kind of positive? Maybe it'll give Shanklin a boost because you know, Scott's right. He's really not looked himself this season. In fairness, I, I, I listened to his post-game interview and he was saying like he's gone through spells like this before and he just needs that goal which he's now got and he's kicked on since then. I think it's very difficult for three guys who are sat trying to analyse something to comment on a player's physique. But I wish to and I will do because comparing and contrasting, Lawrence Shankland looks bigger than he did 12 months ago. He looks bigger than he did six months ago. Now, is that because he's been in the gym more? Is it more weights? Or is it is it another reason? Because the what, what was the chance that he had? Was it one? I think it was at the end at St Mirren, where he would have scored it last season. And he, I don't know if he did, but that's the type of chances he, was, he wasn't even thinking about. So I don't know what's in his mind right now but he's not the same and we've spoken before on this podcast about is it time 
to give Lauren Shankland a rest? Is it time um, not to take the captaincy away from him? Because the only time I would do that is they've made the decision. The only time I would do that is once Craig Gordon's back. For me, he becomes the, the he's the club captain. He takes over the armband. So if you do take him out of the team right now, a couple of things. One, who becomes the captain on the field? But two, more importantly, where are our goals coming from? And as Scott said, is he a help or a hindrance to us right now? Of course he's a help as far as the way he was last season is concerned, but it's not the same Lauren Shankland that we're getting. So I'm not going to drop him after scoring against Celtic and after everything I've said, because if he said himself that he went on a run, every striker goes through a a period whereby it doesn't work for them, then they get the goal and the the better ones kick on from there. So, of course, I, I think he plays against Rangers, um, but I think there have been instances in the run that we have been on whereby he might have been someone who who was left on the bench as someone to come on. So, yes, it was a positive, but it's what happened after that that, that I want to talk about. And we can get to that after you discuss with Scott the fourth goal, because that was just a mess. Yeah, there was a, a glimmer of hope after Shanklin's goal. I wouldn't call it much more than that. Quite a few Hearts fans had already left um, shortly after the 50th minute when Hearts had gone 3-0 down anyway. But yeah, Celtic added a fourth goal to restore the three-goal advantage with nine minutes to go. They were queuing up really in the end. Hearts couldn't get it clear. There was three bites at it. Xander Clark had a save. Frankie Kent had a block. Eventually, um, Iwata fired the ball home emphatically off the underside of the bar before Xander Clark kept it at 4-1. Um, with a brilliant save. Um, I was quite amused that I saw that the BBC uh, Team of the Week had Joe Hart and goals, which I thought was maybe giving us more credit than than what we, we deserved after that game. I don't know what you make of it. I don't know if the fourth goal just summed things up. Scott, for you, if you were still there at that point. Yeah, I, I, I was there. I mean, I'm one of these people I always think, especially if you're, if you're going to be talking about the game in any sort of capacity afterwards, I think you've really got to sort of sit and just grin and bear it, and because you you never know what sort of chance or or situation or incident you might end up missing by by sort of going home that little bit earlier. Uh, so I did watch it. Yeah, there was a. I felt that the subs came on and offered something, but I wasn't surprised because. Two of the players that we brought on early on in the second half are probably two of the most, I think in terms of football intelligence, they're, they're two of the most intelligent in the squad, and that's Benny and Boyce. You know, they, they're players who don't need to, you know, run X amount of yards to sort of try and make space for themselves. You know, they'll find that. They, they just know the pockets of space to sort of create for themselves. And you could see straight away, now, that some people might argue that well, Celtic were feeling a lot by then. Celtic have maybe taken their foot off the pedal and it's been easier for them to maybe get a yard or two of extra space. But for me, they're two players who, you know, came on. I would say they both contributed. I would say that Yutaro Oda was as well until yeah. he seemed to make the strange decision to swap flanks, which was weird because he was definitely getting a lot of joy out of Greg Taylor. But... We then switched it, which again, I, I mean, given the final scoreline, I don't know if we really need to delve too much into that, but it was a bit of a strange sort of uh, 
swap. And yeah, the, I mean, the fourth goal was deserved on Celtic's part. I think 3-1 would have flattered us, given how we played. I think as well, you know, let's say it was 3-1 and we maybe nicked another goal. I think that would have papered over a lot of the cracks, which we're, we're discussing this evening. So, you know, hopefully the result in the performance is something that the team and the management team can learn from. But given what we've seen so far this season, you know, we can't be assured of that just now. Speaking of Benny, he still looks a long way off it. Now, how do you get back to match fitness if you're not playing matches? I understand that. But that, the fourth goal is a whole... You you go into that fourth goal, you could have a go at Benny, you could have a go at Cochrane for being caught up the par. There's, there's loads of things that you can do. But you've, you've got to know your players. If you're in charge, if you're picking them, and it goes back to Benny starting in uh, in Norway against Rosenberg. A shocker of a decision. And it cost Harps because he got hurt and he, he didn't play for a while. And he's not, he's not recovered. If we get the Benny back that we know and we love, that's what we're after. So this is a bit of a conundrum right now as to how Harps get that player back, give that player enough game time. But you can't have him always looking at arses because he's chasing back all the time. You want him challenging. You want him in position. You want him up to that fitness. So I saw that um, they've arranged a, a B game against Rangers um, that Craig's going to play in and a few others. I'd be playing him in that. I'd be getting his fitness back up. And I don't know what they did over the past two weeks for the, during the international break, but it, I know they played against Spartans. I don't know if Benny played in that one. I know it was for Craig. But he, I, want, I want Benny back. I, I want the guy that we remember. Not the guy that's panting and out of breath and, and closing down, but not getting there. That's not good enough. So the thing I wanted to say, and I, I got annoyed with myself about this. 4-1. That fourth goal. I, I didn't like the fact that there was a small part of me that wouldn't have complained if Celtic got a fifth or a sixth. Because Scott mentioned the phrase papering over the cracks. And to an extent, although Lauren Shanklin's goal was welcomed, of course, I'm always welcoming any Hearts goal. I hate being a supporter of a football club that's so disillusioned right now that there's even a tiny part of me that's thinking, ah, if Celtic score five or six, who cares? It might speed up what's probably going to happen anyway. And it might force them into a decision. I don't want that. I don't want my team to get thumped. That's horrible. So what, I, I don't know if I'm the only person that, that that's happened. I'd, paper over the cracks. You saw it with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. Just when you think that's it for him, they got a result. Just pulled him back from the flames. And then another few weeks came and it's like, that's it for another result. Is this what we're going to be right now? Are we going to be there? Oh, he's maybe one or two games away from the sack. Are we going to be there? Well, he's got two games against Rangers, one against Livingston, one against Motherwell right now, and then a decision can be made during the international break. I We've spoken before about potential, not disharmony on the board, because until and unless you're in that room, you don't know. But there are suggestions that not everyone is, is going the same way with regards to opinions as to, to who believes what. There are one or two suggestions right now that some might be considering Naismith's future. Others are like, no, we can't we can't say that he's got to go because that's kowtowing to the fans again. I don't know what's going on behind the boardroom, but what I would like, and I'm um, Scott's touched on this as well. 
I'd like more openness um, from from the club as to what's going on and how it can be fixed. Because right now, the one thing that's really frustrating about being a Hearts fan is the apathy of both me and other Hearts supporters. That's yeah. not good enough. Absolutely. Well, talk, talking to the fans, we'll, we'll move on um, a little, but we're going to stick with the subject of the Celtic game and the feelings generally, and we'll, we'll hear some views from the fans. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, so I'm going to start with, uh, get to the emails. Oh, sorry. I thought we were maybe still going to touch on the Celtic game a little bit. So apologies. There's one final thing I want to mention that really annoyed me about Sunday. My hand's hands already in the the mailbag to to take out the mail, but I'll I'll, I'll retract it for now. It's just that I I need to get this off my chest again for probably about the fourth or fifth time this week. So there's there's a sort of spell, last two or three minutes of the game where... It's 4-1. Celtic get a couple of corner kicks in a row. And Celtic decide we're 4-1 up. Like Carter Vickers doesn't even bother going up for the corner kick. So there's about three or four Celtic players all convening in the centre circle. Like it's a sort of Sunday league game discussing what they're going to be doing after the match. What do the Hearts players do? Every single Hearts player trudges back into that zonal marking and defends everyone in the box. And the ball actually drops to a Celtic player on the edge of the box. And my I actually just about kicked the chair in front of me. I was so frustrated because I was like, how are management not spotting that and shouting it? Or how are the players not even getting a feel for that and saying, right, they've got four guys up there. Let's at least put one or two up there. I, I just That almost encapsulated the complete circus that Sunday was in terms of our performance. And it was one of those where I was like, I actually don't believe I'm watching this for a professional team, you know? And it happened twice, you know? that I think we cleared that first one, and then obviously because we had nobody up there, they then re- you yep, know, retained possession and won another corner kick out of us, and we'd done the same thing again. I was like, that it's weird, you know? There's so much you could touch upon in that game, but for me, that was like the straw that... <laughs> that broke the cables back. I just thought, I can't believe I'm watching them and not one player has turned around to the team and went, right, what would I know what we're supposed to do at these set pieces, but the circumstances have changed. They've got four guys back. <laughs> they they're not interested. Like they if they score a fine, it's a bonus to them at this stage. Let's get a couple of guys up there and let's see if we can actually yeah. you know make something out of clearing the ball rather than the ball coming straight back at us. So sorry, I just had to mention that I couldn't I couldn't leave that unsaid. No, I no, I, I mentioned it in commentary as well when they've not committed many men forward and we get a corner clear and all it means is it's coming right back at us. It's guaranteed to come back at us because there's not even a player up there to at least even close their defenders down. Uh, just it's, it drives me mad so much that I've just I've just almost I'm apathetic to it. Like Mark was saying, I just can't be bothered complaining about it anymore because I just assume every single player will be in our box regardless of the opposition regardless of the circumstances um let's like look 
rustle around back in the mailbag. I've got an email here from Rory Cunningham. Uh, he says, hi, guys. This email was written in the aftermath of one of the most inevitably pathetic afternoons. I firstly just want to state that, yes, we're playing Celtic and the usual rhetoric of uh, pay divides are not lost on me, but the infuriating nature of that defeat is simply confirming what I have believed since Naismith's appointment, and that is he is simply not the man for the job. I could list a million issues with that performance on Sunday, but as the team should maybe do, let's look at the basics. A so-called quick start that has been promised to the fans in this reign yet again failed to come to fruition. Basic errors in not tracking back, not winning second contacts and not taking care of the ball led to the expected Celtic victory. One of the most worrying signs for me was the body language of the players coming out for the second half. The way they entered the field was pretty damning. Was a pretty damning insight to what they thought the second half would bring. To watch a Hearts team enter the field of play at home, 2-0 down to Celtic with such a lack of energy and belief. And to be frank, an embarrassing body language should have been a warning. 16 seconds later, Cochrane misses a, a basic header and we're flapping about in the box and give away a penalty. Lost it. Let's not get started on VAR actually giving that. And a few minutes later, Celtic scored again. You simply cannot tell me that the team responded to Naismith at halftime. I will leave the rest of the match debrief to yourselves, but for the for the um this for the sack of my argument, watch my uh, Alex Cochrane tracking back. Um for the fourth goal and tell me that's a player that would die for the shirt. Also bear in mind this insipid performance came off the back of an international break and an embarrassing derby collapse. So if we can't get it right now, when when can we? Once again, I know it's Celtic, but there is ways there are ways to lose. It's sadly becoming a common theme this season to leave feeling totally underwhelmed and disconnected to what's happening. Kilmarnock, Motherwell, Dundee, St Mirren, Hibs, all pathetic and frustrating. Sorry for the ramp, boys, but I really can't identify with the team at the minute and it's breaking my heart. A lack of fight, basic errors and a style I simply no longer recognise is really getting to me. We often talk about the type of football that defines your club. I want hearts to be bastards, to be strong, passionate and really make Tynecastle a fortress that teams know that they will be in for a hard game. The man in the dugout gave us that as a player, but sadly is a million miles away from having a side in the same mould as he was. I want to fall in love with my hearts again. Rory. What a, what a super email that is. And it's spot on. When was the last time we had a bastard? When was the last time we had someone that... I mean, I'm not going as far back as Ali Mocklin and guys like that. We've had plenty since. But seriously, when was the last time we had someone that just like... I mean, Naismith himself was as a player. Why, why, can't, why can't Stephen Naismith's team that he's the coach of Reflect Stephen Naismith, the player. In your face, up-tempo, a nasty little bastard who you want in your team and you hate if he's in the opposition. Why can't that happen? But that's, I mean, that's like, it's just the old adage of, you know, a good footballer doesn't always make a good manager, doesn't it? I mean, it's like... I give, you Frank's, it? I give you Frank Sose. Right? Yeah, you as someone who covered Hearts and Hibs at Radio Fourth all those years ago, and I remember he lost to Stranraer at home. Jason Young scored, and he just he eventually got his first win against Stranraer, and um, and they won by four goals to none. It took him forever, but he he just he, he didn't go from being someone that the dressing room lo looked up to as a teammate and as a captain to someone the dressing room responded to as a manager, and it just seems that that might be happening at Hearts now as well. 
We had another email as well, which I want to touch on from Jamie Wright. He said, hi, guys, here's my take. Rather than having to go through another month of pain, a um, couple of options for me. We need to cut our losses and sack Naismith and some stale coaching staff. Gallagher, for example, hasn't proved any young keepers or we haven't had any coming through. Be better having Gordon working with the keepers. Was baffled when Gordon Forrest was kept on. Seems to have a negative impact on Naismith. I think bringing in someone like Neil Warnock to take charge to the end of the season or the year and a half or a year and a half contract that would definitely steady the ship and make tiny a hard place to come to again he's also he'd also get the best out of some of the players lacking in confidence maybe Naismith could work under Warnock and gain some valuable experience loving the podcast great opinions thanks Jamie I don't know what you think of that Scott and just in general in terms of what we do because you know I know Mark said a lot of times on the the podcast we don't just want to moan about things and say things aren't working without even I guess suggesting some kind of fix you know we're not we're not going to be in the area of recruitment or kind of sourcing a manager if we have to but is it something you think just needs to be done is it just a case of we're delaying the inevitable if we don't make a change I I suspect that as long as we get a, a decent result against Livingston, I think the the other two results won't really uh, bear too much on, on Naismith's future. I think potentially the board, McKinley-Savage, they may look at the runny fixtures once we get the old firm out the road and they might think, right, there's a there's an opportunity here that's presented by the fact that we've played Celtic and Rangers so closely together that you know, we could build up a heady steam. Uh, and it could be that regardless of what happens in the semi-final or at Ibrox, as long as we don't drop points to Livingston, that he will get until maybe end of December, start of January. That's just the sort of the hunch I've got just now, uh, because so much has been invested, not from a financial point of view, but in terms of reputation. Uh, that I, I just think the board would be unwilling to sort of pull the trigger this early on, even if there is significant fan unrest. Because as I mentioned before, you know, previously regarding Nielsen's departure, there was a timing aspect to that. You know, if you remember, it was April time. Season tickets start going back up for sale a month later. There, there was a there was a potential consequence of not acting back in April. Financially speaking, there isn't really that sort of urgency to sort of do something with Smith just now. So yeah, I, I think you know, uh, like I say, if we get a result against Livingston, I think he will be here until the the end of the calendar year. I, I appreciate what the uh, sorry, what was the name of the the person emailed again? Uh, Jamie was the last one. Jamie, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I appreciate what Jamie's saying regarding, you, you know, that, that Neil Warnock, that guy that can maybe come in and, and maybe sort of, you know, short term, maybe shore things up and, and, and maybe sort of bring a bit of experience. Again, I don't envision that appointment ever taking place under the current stewardship because I... I, for one, wouldn't envision Neil Warnock coming in and be willing to work under Joe Savage. Uh, I just think that the structure that's currently in place at the club is created with younger coaches in mind. So people who are... Liam probably, Fox. 
yeah, people that are more probably more receptive to sort of working within that kind of model. So coaches I think, that are more likely to be influenced. Yeah, if, I mean, if you want to put it that way, then then yeah, uh, you, you could certainly be right. But I'd, I think the evidence is there that that's something that we seem to be favouring. Uh, so, you know, does that does that rule out does that rule out strong willed managers because there might be certain people at the club that would feel under pressure because someone would come in and see what's going on behind the scenes and think, no, I'm not having that. I think, and this doesn't, this isn't just exclusively to do with the the management side of things. I think that there's ever increasing evidence to suggest that the the club is not very receptive to the potential of somebody coming in and sort of being a bit of an agitator. You know, someone that gets brought in externally that's going to maybe ask some challenging questions, maybe you know shine a bit of a spotlight on things that maybe could have been done a little bit more efficiently. Well, we've got the wrong yeah, people behind the scenes then, Scott. If, that, so if that's that... the case, we've got the wrong people behind the scenes then, or we need to add someone that's willing to shake things up. It's all too cosy. And we've heard talk, whether it was you and Murray or whether it was Barry on the podcast or, or others as well. Um, we've spoken about it before. It just seems a little bit too easy to walk down the corridor. You spoke about it as well, to walk down the corridor, knock on a door and say, do you want to be the next Hearts manager? And the, the recruitment process, the last time there was a, an opening at the football club and it was, what, one interview and maybe one or two more? How thorough was that search that Hearts ended up getting Stephen Naismith as the man in charge of Frankie McAvoy and Naismith and, and everything like that? If, if that's what's happening at the football club, we speak about not having enough nasty bastards on the pitch. Do we have too many yes people? at the football club that are frightened to put their head above the parapet because their voice either won't get listened to or they don't want to upset the the key decision makers. We we All we're doing right now is assuming because we don't know. That's why we need to know more of what's going on. There needs to be more transparency at that football club because we're just going on rumours and conjecture. That's, that's not good enough. We need to have someone that's willing to be strong, to make a decision, whether it's a sport director or whoever. We need to have someone that appoints the best available, not appoints someone that they feel they can control or they feel will not be someone that will knock on their door every five minutes and say, this isn't working, that isn't working. We need to change it. We also need to have a football board and a club that is receptive to things that are put forward if something isn't working. Few more reactions from fans. We've got some tweets. Uh, Jersey Steve says Naismith needs a big statement win soon. Even if we beat Livy, that would only be four wins after the first round of fixtures. A win in either of the games against Rangers would buy him a lot of credit and time, but I don't see it happening barring a miracle. Um, Gavin Wallace said it's not the defeat itself that's the issue, it's the manner of the defeat and yet again several times players refusing to play forward when it's on and being safe. At 3-1 we didn't even have a real go to get a second and see how Celtic dealt with it. We went out with a whimper, sure. Um, Sam Moffat said disappointing because it's so predictable. The decision to play two in midfield against their three was strange. Also not making any changes at half time didn't make sense given how poor we'd been. Um, men against boys, they could have been, they, they could up the tempo and played through us when they felt like it, says Grant Haddon. Forrest, Newenhoff and Lowry all under par and were passengers at times. To beat even an off-Celtic team, we need 
everyone to be at it and we weren't worst of it all the goals were avoidable um adam logan says experiment over a club like hearts shouldn't be appointing inexperienced managers um we need to become hard to beat be physical winning ugly is winning um and scour the market for scottish players why do we overlook the likes of o'hara matty kennedy strain um he says scour the scottish market for players i should say he didn't state that they were scottish because they're not all scottish um so we got a lot of sort of negative reactions one thing i was going to quickly touch on Mm -hmm. with a lot of the reactions now um i saw this uh where is it from pants chat on which um they're the twitter account which yeah divides a lot of opinion um and i get it don't agree with a lot of things that um the account says but sometimes offers a different angle and one um one line i saw from the account was a problem with us as a club is the maximum achievable is also the minimum acceptable to our support and this is something i think we touched upon mark with robbie when he was in charge not but didn't speak to him when he was on but we spoke we spoke about this issue sometimes when hearts fans before it came to the point where robbie nielsen had to go there was a lot of pressure on him anyway and it is a difficult challenge isn't it mm. in terms of the hearts fans expect third but we can't get more than third really you know we can be cups you can maybe do something in but when you talk about our bread and butter the league the maximum achievable is almost the minimum accepted as well isn't it and this is a, oh, yeah. this is a, this is a side angle thing with it with yeah. the hearts fans expectations and yeah, i'm not suggesting that there's not good reason because we're all frustrated and we don't think things are going well and we think it has to be changed but it is a tough one to manage isn't it you can't you know, from a, a club point of view and planning and what is the minimum acceptable and where is the point of you're not achieving what you should there's very little margin for error isn't there well that's a, heart, heart, that's a clever heart. line it, it right? is so it's a it's a clever line what the only thing that that comes to my head when somebody throws that and it, and if i'm being completely honest it's a clever line and i appreciate his opinion but sometimes it comes over a little bit facetious you know he's, he's just you know trying to rile a group of supporters who are already quite easily triggered anyway. Oh, no, I get that. And that's what I'm saying. It divides opinion. Uh, I don't agree with uh, a lot of things that my, come out. My but... retort to that would be, well, who's been flapping their gums recently about how we're going to split the old firm and how that's what we should be looking to do? Mm-hmm. So if there's an issue with raised expectations, then you need to start dousing the fire that's been created within the actual club itself. You know, it's, I'm sorry, but it is that simple, you know? But, Scott, Barry Anderson made a good point um, yesterday on that podcast with you and Murray and, and Graham Spears. And he said, imagine it was the other way around. Imagine Hearts had come up from the championship. Imagine Hearts had finished fourth. Didn't quite get third, but they'd finished fourth. They got into Europe, first time of asking. And then last season, they then finished third. So they did it the other way around. Third and fourth, but this would be fourth and third. Barry would claim Robbie Nielsen would still be at the football club, and the Hearts supporters right now would be well, they'd be in the midst of planning trips that they never got last season, but they got they got this season as well. So the slight difference with with Heart Midlothian Football Club is that a lot of people have opinions about the football club are also stakeholders in the football club. We all. Well, I'll say we all, most of us, a lot of us, um, put money in, however much that is, every month into the football club. And 
That's very different from a lot of other football clubs because we're fan-owned, not fan-run. We get told that all the time. We're fan-funded, I would say, just now. Well, we're fan-funded, but what are we getting back as a result of that? What what are we seeing? Are we are we seeing that the money that the the foundation is putting in, um, or the money that the fans are putting into the foundation every month is being spent well right now? And, that, and that's the frustration. We have to manage that going forward because it's not a case of oh, I pay this amount per month. I think we should be signing this, or I think he should be sacked, or they should be doing this, or or whatever. We ha- we have to find a balance, which I'm not sure we found just yet. But the the bottom line is what we're seeing right now, and most of the comments that we, we've received are, are all about the manner of defeat. Not that we lost to Celtic, because as Laurie said at the top of the show, we've beaten them very few times, what, three and 40-odd games? So it's not the fact we lost to Celtic, it's the manner of the defeat. And the decision-making has to be held culpable if it's not correct. That's the issue that we have right now. Yep. The thing is, you also can't just dismiss games against the old firm, like some people seem to be quite happy to do. If we finish in the top six, then 21% of our games in the league will be against the old firm over the course of a season. That is a huge chunk of games to just write off as some sort of free hit. That it's oh, it's it's fine, you know, because for 140 years we've all we've always been getting spanked off them. I'm sorry, but I don't buy that crap. Like no, we've won. We've won one of five in the league at Tynecastle, and only one of them yeah. was against uh, the old firm. We've yeah. scored eight goals in nine league games. That's got nothing to do with Rangers or Celtic. Yeah, the problems go beyond that. And if people think that fans are concerned purely on the basis of one ninety-minute show, then they're they're either naive or they're just purposely trying to annoy people because. There's so much that's going wrong on the pitch, you know. It's fine for Stephen Naismith to come out and say, well, we lost four soft goals. Okay, that's fair enough. But we're also extremely timid with the ball at our feet. You know, a very seldom did you see a Hearts player play any sort of progressive pass from defence or midfield on Sunday. Too often, it, you know, especially after the second goal went in, it was very much, I'm not willing to try anything today. No, there was no bravery. I'm just going to play it backwards or I'm going to play it sideways. The only players that, that attempted anything in my eyes was Cammy Devlin. Uh, to be fair to Lowry, he tried things. Again, he got stuck in a vicious cycle of over-trying at times, but he was at least trying to do something. And then again, the subs when they came on made a bit of an impact as well. But outside of that, no one else gets pass marks in terms of their bravery on the ball or trying to be proactive. So I think... Let's just take away the fact that it was Celtic. Let's just look at it as a 4-1 defeat at home and in that manner. And let's just start viewing it that way because it's too easy just now to start looking at games against the old firm and saying it was a free hit. Losing 4-1 at home is bound to have a knock on confidence. So that whole thing about games being a free hit just doesn't wash, you know. We've got to stop looking at it that way. And this whole notion about, well, if we failed in the past... We should just accept failure moving forward. We, that. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, we never had all these, you know, 
additional income coming in through the foundation. We didn't have the additional income that we're getting through some of the, the revenue generators that the board have implemented correctly, like the, the hospitality and the restaurant. So I'm sorry, but you can't keep referring back to 30 and 40 years ago just because things didn't work then. It means that it should never work in the future. I just, like... If that's going to be your attitude to it, what is the point? Like, what is yeah. the point in even bothering? You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We're almost out of time, but unfortunately, we do still have to talk about the next game for Hearts. And um, yeah, nice game to come off the um, back of a 4-1 defeat too. We've got Rangers at Ibrox under new manager Philippe Clement, who um, at the time of recording has won one game so far, 4-0 against Hibs, although he does have an away game to Sparta Prague in the Europa League during the week. Uh, Hearts go into a game uh, without a win in 13 matches at Ibrox, but they did draw the last game there under Stephen Naismith at the end of last season. That was the first time they'd avoided defeat against Rangers in eight attempts, but without a victory there since 2014 and without a top-flight victory there since March 2012, uh, when Ian Black and Jamie Hamill scored for Paolo Sergio's hearts. 11 years ago. Yes, it's been a while. Mm. How are you feeling about this one then, Mark? Are we going to do a prediction? What What are you hoping to see? Well, do you know what? Before I know I do go off on tangents, but th this one, I'm not, I'm not leaving this podcast this week without giving you my list of managers that no, might course, or yeah. might not. Yeah, so I've gone for, and I'll get to Rangers in just a second. But I didn't know if there would be another opportunity to to bring it up. So I've got a few, just randoms, not obvious ones. And none from Scotland, because just because, right? I mean, how long a chat are you want here? Because I was trying to round things no. up. Because we've just, I know, no, I know. I think it's important, and I'm not saying Hearts go and get one of these. I'm saying, depending on what happens um, with Stephen Naismith, this should be something that's being done behind the scenes. I'd like to think it has been. Maybe it is. But yeah. the, the the first day you start a new job, whoever you are listening to this, the first day you start a new job should be the first day that you're looking. For your next job, just in case. There should always be that contingency. So here's what I got. Okay. John Eustace. I don't know how he was sacked by Birmingham, basically, because they thought, oh, Wayne Rooney, let's go for him. John Eustace, decent. Oliver Glasner, ex Eintracht Frankfurt, won the Europa League with them. These are all available. Don't have a job right now. And Scott Parker, ex Fulham and Bournemouth. And they're kind of guys that look, some of them might, might be out of our reach, but we, we have to have a list that they go through because I don't think they had one um, that was substantial when Stephen Naismith ended up getting the one. The ones with clubs, just a few. Marty Sifuentes again at Hammerby, still there. Um, Yaya Toure, assistant at Standard Liège. Tony Popovich, Melbourne Victory. Kevin Mustard. three managers. How many have you got? No, I've given you three that are available. I and mean, these are the ones that okay. are currently with clubs. And you would have to pay a little bit of compensation. Marty Sifuentes, Yaya Toure, Tony Popovich at Melbourne, Kevin Muscat at Yokohama, Luke Williams, Notts County, and Nigel Clough 
at Mansfield. They're all guys who, a lot of them are young and up and coming. Um, some of them unfairly don't have a club because of something that's happened. Others are doing all right with their clubs. That's just, I just wanted, I've spent a while on that this morning, just looking at managers that we might be um, looking at if they decide to to move on from Stephen Naismith. Rangers at Ibrox, am I confident? No. Do I predict the Hearts win or a draw? I can't have a go at you. It's total hypocrisy if I predict the Rangers win. So I'm not going to predict the Rangers win. Do I think Rangers are going to win? Yes, I do. But it's, it's time It's time to take the criticism on board um, from um, a, an insipid display and to show the hunger and to show the attitude and to show the bastard attitude in the middle of the park that we're going to go there and we're going to fight and we're going to battle and we're not going to lose before we've even kicked off. John Beaton's the ref, so we're a goal down already. I think we'll get it back. I, I, one one, no idea. One. I mean, how, how do you predict a positive result after what we've seen? Because we're Hearts fans, and that's what we do. One one, and Shankland. One one in Shankland. Okay, fair enough. Scored last time at Ibrox. What, what do you reckon, Scott? Uh, well, I, I watched the Rangers game on on Saturday against Hibs. Uh, I was quite intrigued to see what differences that there would be in their setup, albeit Philip Clement had only been there for a, a matter of days. You could see straight away that they were starting to do the basics again, which is something that they were struggling to do uh, towards the, the end of the Michael Beale sort of reign. They played Scott Wright as one of the sort of central midfield two, so they sort of dispensed with just sort of playing holding midfielders and sort of playing patiently through the lines. They were being a bit more direct. And then obviously the the biggest sort of plus for them was naturally Todd Cantwell coming back for injury and having a, a really sort of productive half an hour when he came on as well. So I have to be completely honest, given what I saw for Rangers on Saturday, albeit not a great performance and certainly helped by Hibs naively going there and playing a 4-2-4, uh, I would say that they looked a better and stronger outfit. Maybe the European venture will have a bit of an impact on that and that might help us but I think I just have a I have an awful feeling that Naismith's reaction to Sunday will be to make ourselves resolute and hard to beat rather than work on the issues that we had on Sunday in possession I think there'll be a lot of focus this week on what we do out of possession and I think because of that I can I can see us you know surrendering pretty meekly and, and being beat maybe one or two nil. Okay, I'll go one worse. Three nil Rangers. Tavernier will score a penalty. I mean, I predicted a defeat last time, so there's no point in me going back to blind optimism. Where does it leave us next week if that happens? Where does it leave us? Does it With leave us rare... in a similar discussion that we've just had this week or... Or does it all depend on the manner of the defeat um, if we lose? Because that was that's the theme of this week. The manner of the defeat against Celtic was unacceptable. I, I, in all honesty, I, you know, I don't think uh you know, if if we're talking about big decisions being made, I don't think hearts make a big decision on the back of a on oh, no, the basis no, of, of a I'm just talking about comfortable the, the discussion. No, I don't think hearts make a decision full stop if, and, if until we the international lose, break, by the way. If we comfortably lose to Rangers, we'll we'll probably have to think of a different topic to fulfil some of the airtime. Otherwise, it'll just feel like Groundhog Day. Well, let's think of <laughs> to be honest, exactly. But it's true. Let's have some homework. 
Or do you want to put some out there now? We want to preempt it. I don't. I don't we can come up with something and put, put it on the Twitter account or something. Yeah, we'll we'll think of something. Scott can I, think of something. Everyone can find us a manager. I've given you nine. Good luck. Given you nine of them. Yeah, I think. Others, I think Let's save that for the point where we're actually... We need Because <laughs> if we do all this, and then in three weeks' time, Hearts are looking for a new manager, then we've already done the topic. So, I mean... I, I don't want... You, you and Murray said the same. I don't want Hearts to be looking for a new manager. I'd love no. to be proved wrong. I exactly. Want Stephen, so let's, I want Stephen let's, Aceworth still in charge at the end of the season because he's got us... He's finished third and he's won yeah. the League Cup. That's what I want. Yeah, because if we're looking for a new manager, then we're tearing everything up again. So exactly. let's not do that yet. Let's let's hope that next week okay. we are somewhat positive, um, and we're we're all proven very wrong. We'd be, be delighted with that. So we'll be back next week to discuss it, whatever. And if we do lose heavily, then we'll think of something else to entertain you. Because otherwise, you'll be listening to another miserable podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch <laughs> in the meantime, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet us at around the funnel. Until next time, thanks for enduring. Bye-bye.